You are listening to Man Behind the Machine. Who do you work for? We called your parents. You know, we told them everything's fine. No charge has been filed yet. But uh, I think we are going to need a little time to sort things out here. How much, how much time? Well, that depends on how willing you are to cooperate. Um, of course. I tell you what, uh, Sergeant, would you tell the OD I'm going to take David for a little walk? Let's go down to my office. Be more comfortable there. Great. See that sign up here? That indicates our current defense condition. It should read uh, DEFCON 5, which means peace. It's still on a 4 because of the little stunt you pulled. Actually, if we hadn't caught it in time, it might have gone to DEFCON 1. You know what that means, David? No, what does that mean? World War III. <laughs> you, you say you broke into our system just to, just to play a game, right? Right, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> You heard it on the news, you must have realized how serious it was. Why'd you do it again? I didn't do it again. I even threw the number away. Yeah, they found it in the trash, you know. Joshua called me. Hey. You're listening to Man Behind the Machine. That, that's some setup. What'd you say? This is some setup. No, no, before that. Joshua called me. <laughs> David, machines don't call. Call 313-MAN-0231 and we'll air your voicemail. Who are you, uh, who are you going to Paris with? Huh. Paris? Oh, no, no, you don't understand. Yeah. You had reservations for two to Paris. Yeah. Who are you working with? Ha-ha. Nobody. It's Joshua. You gonna answer that? Jeez. You gonna answer the phone? Uh huh. Sure. Hello? Yeah. What? Alright, I'll be right down. You stay here. Yeah. Greetings, Professor Falcon. I have not heard from you in a while. Somebody got into Mr. McKittrick's well-known system and stole the codes that'll launch our missile. Is that right, Mr. McKittrick? No cause for alarm. The system won't accept the launch code unless we're DEFCON 1. I can change those codes in less than an hour. Well, who did this? I think the kid's got to be working with somebody on the outside. Yeah. I don't know what they're up to, but I sure as hell don't want our bombers on the ground when it happens. Take us to DEFCON 3 and get Sack on the line. Oh, no. And then they show a picture of Reagan. Greetings, Professor Falcon. It is good to hear from you. Nice terminal. Look at that. Login, Joshua. It's that easy. Greetings, Professor Falcon. Hello. Are you still playing a game? Yeah. Of course, I should reach DEFCON 1 and launch my missiles in 28 hours. Would you like to see some projected kill ratios? 
69% of the housing destroyed. 72 million people dead. Is this a game or is it real? What's the difference? Oh, wow. You are a hard man to reach. Could not find you in Seattle and no terminal is in operation at your classified address. What classified address? DOD pension files indicate current mailing ad. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Dr. Robert Hume, a.k.a. Stephen W. Vulcan. Five Tall Cedar Road, Goose Island, Oregon, 97. Can I just talk to Mr. McKittrick? I think I know what's going on. Yeah, I think I know what's going on. Mr. McKittrick, please. I know what's going on. You're escorting you to federal authorities in Denver where you'll be placed under arrest pending indictment for espionage. Espionage? Let me talk to him. He's right over there. Sit down, little rat. That's a war room. No. He's still playing the game. He's still playing the game. Yeah. Falcon doesn't have a phone number. Unbelievable. Greetings, Professor Falcon. Would you like to play a game? Man behind the machine news. Tinker Toy Soldier. Barr is vehemently opposed to pardoning traitor Edward Snowden. Washington Examiner two days ago. Anonymous View. Attorney General William Barr said he is vehemently opposed to pardoning traitor Edward Snowden a week after President Trump floated the idea of granting a pardon. A.G. Williams Barr says he is vehemently opposed to pardoning Edward Snowden. Indianapolis Star two days ago. Anonymous view. Barr's comments come days after President Trump said he would look at whether to pardon Snowden, who was charged with disclosing details of highly classified government. Attorney General William Barr vehemently opposed to pardoning Edward Snowden. Chicago Tribune two days ago. Anonymous view. Attorney General William Barr said he would be vehemently opposed to any attempt to pardon former National Security Agency contractor Edward Snowden. President Trump has to think twice about pardon for Edward Snowden. The Hill two days ago. Anonymous view. 
Getting Snowden back in the country would assist intelligence officials to determine the extent in which he breached national security and colluded with foreign powers. But A.G. William Barr vehemently opposed to pardon for Edward Snowden. Syracuse.com two days ago. Anonymous View Attorney General William Barr said he would be vehemently opposed to any attempt to pardon former National Security Agency contractor Edward Snowden, after the president suggested. NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden has taken in more than $1.2 million in speaking fees while in exile. International Business Times six days ago. Anonymous View NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden has received more than $1.2 million in speaking engagements while in exile, a court filing claimed. President Trump should grant Edward Snowden a pardon. Orange County Register five days ago. Anonymous View. President Trump on Saturday indicated that he's considering pardoning whistleblower Edward Snowden. We strongly encourage the president to do so. Snowden a former national security agency. Potential Trump pardon for Edward Snowden a serious mistake, lawmakers say. U.S. News and Six Days Ago Anonymous View Top Republican and Democratic leaders on the House Armed Services Committee issued a scathing warning on an issue Trump considers a split decision. Attorney General Bill Barr says he would be vehemently opposed to pardoning Edward Snowden. CBS News two days ago. Anonymous View. Attorney General Bill Barr says he is vehemently opposed to the president pardoning former National Security Agency contractor Edward Snowden. President Trump on Saturday floated the fund appeal for Assange's legal defense wins significant public support. World Socialist Web. Eight hours ago. Anonymous View. The response underscores the international support for Assange among workers and young people which finds no expression in the official political parties or the corporate press. Online panel examines what would happen if Assange is extradited to the US. World Socialist Web. Eight hours ago. Anonymous View. The expert panelists made clear that Assange would be held in the most draconian conditions, treated as a terrorist and denied due process. Who is Julian Assange and where is he now? The Sun six days ago. Anonymous View. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is being held at the British prison Belmarsh after being kicked out of the Ecuadorian embassy for breaching the Bail Act. Julian Assange's partner crowdfunds to fight U.S. extradition bid. Daily Mail on. Three days ago. Anonymous View. Stella Morris, 37 said he is facing a monumental legal case with unthinkable ramifications, and accused the Trump administration of targeting the WikiLeaks founder. Is Julian Assange's partner launches crowdfund campaign to fight extradition to U.S. Yahoo! Four days ago. Anonymous View. The partner of Julian Assange has launched an appeal to crowdfund his fight against the U.S. government's bid to extradite him. Stella Morris said it is. Extradition aims to entomb and silence him forever. Julian Assange's partner. Feldoneconomic.com four days ago. Anonymous view. This extradition aims to entomb and silence him forever. This is a monumental legal case which is an attack on everyone's right to know about scandals. 
lawyers call for Julian Assange release. The Canberra Times 7 days ago. Anonymous View. Lawyers and legal academics have called on the UK government to end extradition proceedings against WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange and release him from. Lawyers and academics call on government to end Julian Assange extradition. Shropshire Star 7 days ago. Anonymous View. Lawyers and legal academics have called on the UK government to end extradition proceedings against WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange and release him from prison. Assange is. Does the deep state have an interest in silencing Julian Assange? Yahoo! Five days ago. Anonymous View. FBI Director James Comey intervened to kill WikiLeaks immunity deal, says just the news editor and Chief John Solomon, author of Fallout. Lawyers call to grant Julian Assange's long overdue freedom. TVN's E1 seven days ago. Anonymous View. Julian Assange's freedom is long overdue, according to a group of lawyers and legal academics who have called on the UK government to end extradition proceedings. Oh, yeah? Where are you calling from? Oh, I'm in the Philippines. How about you? Huh? Yeah, actually, it's, it's nice. It's really good taste. That's one of our favorite that's Filipino food, together with sinigang. Um, oh. Sinigang is sour. Yeah, has sour soup. But for adobo, it's it comes with soy sauce and a little bit of sugar and uh, uh, what do you call this? Vinegar. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. <laughs> Maybe you can ask your aunt <laughs> if she knows how to cook that, then she will. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Oh, silom? So that's silom. <laughs> silom. Yeah. Do you love it uh, for breakfast? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and Snowden and I believe Chelsea Manning were all charged under the Espionage Act of 1918. Chelsea was thrown in prison. She might have got out early. 
I forgot her story, but Snowden uses her story as why the act doesn't work. Mm. Where is he in prison? So they arrested him in London, probably because they're, uh, what do you call it, they're, uh, the English are more supportive of the Americans where the Russians aren't. Snowden is not in prison because they're sympathizers to the U.S. But, you know. Well, I don't watch that much news, so his whereabouts. Oh, that's right. He was at the Ecuadorian embassy right. because he was going to try to get Snowden there because of asylum. Yep. Like arcane, the word about the espionage act of 1918, the attorney for Snowden said, "The law is arcane. It's a it's a, a word in my vocabulary I don't use, but I do believe arcane, a r c a n e, means worn out, outdated, no longer valid. But they're using it." It does not allow for any trial. How could you not give citizen a trial? Can give journalists information that is legal. But if hackers take there's a, there's a loophole. As long as you involve a news media outlet, but perhaps they're not considering WikiLeaks news media. That was Snowden's whole argument of his book. He reported the leaks to the news. He did not sell them for profit. So. Who's he thrown in jail with no court date? Court date? Espionage Act of 1918. That's why the act is arcane. You're just, you're automatically guilty. That is a man-made law that is very defective. The way that our world is going, the negativity is abounding. Consider him a friend because uh, if he did, he would have taken all of his data to Assange. But as we know, Edward Snowden did not take all his data to Assange. Now did he? In his book, Snowden has problems with Assange. Oh, really? Yes! That's why you've got to read the book. Have your friend in Washington, D.C. send you the Snowden book. Uh. <laughs> I returned my copy to the library for sanitizing. It is 
library, and that could be an episode because <laughs> I can imagine great big like like gas chambers, like they used on the uh, people back in uh, in the Nazi era. These gas chambers they built inside the library for gassing the books. <laughs> Something to <laughs> wet on the book now can you so there's got to be some kind of an oven where they're baking the book <laughs> like cooking like cooking the book <laughs> well copyright 1977 originally oh so yeah maybe okay well this is my version 1977. And much of what's in the book, I just read a little, is so applicable to today. Oh, yeah? How so? This is uh, Bill Wilson, who's the author. He was a literary genius. He's a writer. He took literature in school. And he was a famous stockbroker and golfer. But anyway, his literature... Genius was wrote in 1935. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So even back in the 30s, what he wrote was prophecy for today. Oh. He wrote a second edition of his his uh, writing, smaller paperback, but it was back in 1952. Guess what was going on in 1952? What? There was another epidemic, not a pandemic, that put people in iron lungs. Oh, yeah? It was called polio. Oh. Remember the polio? I feel like you're shooting me with an electronic gun, but I'm not feeling <laughs> That's why when I hear that, I think of my youth. And I can almost picture the set. Yeah, this. You know, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, he had Frogger on in one of his episodes. I kind of remember that. It was yeah. around, You know, yeah. that we're at the arcade or at the, you know, bowling alley. Yeah. I just found a, a Pat, Miss Pac-Man tabletop game. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's a hobby. Everyone needs a hobby. Right. And, and, and more specifically, I have learned we all need something that brings us joy. Space Invaders does. And Mrs. Pac-Man. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's just, and you, and I remember, uh, it, it brought my husband joy to spend four or five thousand on tools, but he said he needed them for his trade, for his job. Yeah. The only way I could think that you could possibly pursue Mrs. Man with the need for all this equipment is, is for your trade, they're tools of your trade. I'm oh yeah, that came after Space Invaders, and that came after 
Mr. Uh, Pac-Man. However, it is being played by my little six-year-old grandson. It was played by my children, and I think it was around right before my children. See? And why did what? And Edward Snowden talked about him too, right? Yeah, this was one of his favorite games as a child. It was even big when Snowden was growing up. Really? Oh, yeah. To work on listening. It is my theme word for this year. Why didn't Edward Snowden like Super Mario? Yeah. Joystick to play the game. Now they have it on computer. You know, as a matter of fact, I remember my uh, niece, they removed their uniforms at the hospital, and the hospital sanitizes them. But they put on their street clothes in the, in the hospital, and they come home, and they take off their street clothes in the garage. Does that all make sense? Oh. Uh. Because you know why? I gotta give you a secret if you ever wanna go by a medical center. What they do is in the COVID ward, they have these vents in the windows blowing the air, sucking the air out of the rooms and blowing it outside. the outside can just take it and disperse it, but can you imagine standing down below a, a COVID ward at a hospital? You're getting sprayed with COVID air. <laughs> Man behind the machine, this is your old pal Jack Nicholson. I would just like to personally thank you for giving me a brain adjustment with all of your special technology. <laughs> Thank you for hooking me up to the right doozly doobles and jobbly jobbles, if you know what I mean. Uh, although I did have to uh, strap my brain skull into that contraption, I gotta say, I had uh, one of the greatest times of my life being hooked up to the interwebs. So thank you very much for uh, introducing me 
to the worldwide, uh, let's just say the worldwide zeros and ones. Uh, let's just leave it at that. Uh, it was a, it was an experience like none other. And uh, thank you very much for all of your technological wizardry and uh, your highly extensive knowledge about this simulated reality. Take care, buddy. Instant Personalization was a pilot program which shared Facebook account information with affiliated sites, such as sharing a user's list of liked bands with a music website, so that when the user visits the site, their preferred music plays automatically. The EFF noted that for users that have not opted out, instant personalization is instant data leakage. As soon as you visit the sites in the pilot program, Yelp, Pandora, and On September 5, 2006, Facebook introduced two new features called Newsfeed and Minifeed. The first of the new features, Newsfeed, appears on every Facebook member's homepage displaying recent Facebook activities of the members' friends. The second feature, Minifeed, keeps a log of similar events on each member's profile page. 59. Members can manually delete items from their mini-feeds if they wish to do so, and through privacy settings can control what is actually published in their respective mini-feeds. Some Facebook members still feel that the ability to opt out of the entire news feed and mini-feed system is necessary, as evidenced by a statement from the Students Against Facebook News Feed group, which peaked at over 740,000 members in 2006. 60. Reacting to users' concerns, Facebook developed new privacy features to give users some control over information about them that was broadcast by the news feed. 61. According to subsequent news articles, members have widely regarded the additional privacy options as an acceptable compromise. 62. In May 2010, Facebook added privacy controls and streamlined its privacy settings, giving users more ways to manage status updates and other information that is broadcast to the public news feed. 63. Among the new privacy settings is the ability to control who sees each new status update a user posts, everyone, friends of friends, or friends only. Users can now hide each status update from specific people as well. 64. However, a user who presses like or comments on the photo or status update of a friend cannot prevent that action from appearing in the news feeds of all the user's friends, even non-mutual ones. The view as option, used to show a user how privacy controls filter out what a specific given friend can see, only displays the user's timeline and gives no indication that items missing from the timeline may still be showing up in the friend's own news feed. Cooperation with Government Requests Edit Government and local authorities rely on Facebook and other social networks to investigate crimes and obtain evidence to help establish a crime provide location information, establish motives, prove and disprove alibis, and reveal communications. 65. Federal, state, and local investigations have not been restricted to profiles that are publicly available or willingly provided to the government. Facebook has willingly provided information in response to government subpoenas or requests, except with regard to private, unopened inbox messages less than 181 days old.
which would require a warrant and a finding of probable cause under federal law under Electronic Communications Privacy Act, ECPA. One 2011 article noted that even when the government lacks reasonable suspicion of criminal activity and the user opts for the strictest privacy controls, Facebook users still cannot expect federal law to stop their private content and communications from being used against them. 66. Facebook's privacy policy states that we may also share information when we have a good faith belief it is necessary to prevent fraud or other illegal activity, to prevent imminent bodily harm, or to protect ourselves and you from people violating our statement of rights and responsibilities. This may include sharing information with other companies, lawyers, courts or other government entities. 66. Since the U.S. Congress has failed to meaningfully amend the ICPA to protect most communications on social networking sites such as Facebook, and since the U.S. Supreme Court has largely refused to recognize a Fourth Amendment privacy right to information shared with a third party, there is no federal statutory or constitutional right that prevents the government from issuing requests that amount to phishing expeditions and there is no Facebook privacy policy that forbids the company from handing over private user information that suggests any illegal activity. 66. The 2013 mass surveillance disclosures identified Facebook as a participant in the U.S. National Security Administration's PRISM program. Facebook now reports the number of requests it receives for user information from governments around the world. 67. Complaint from CIPIC Edit On May 31, 2008, the Canadian Internet Policy and Public Interest Clinic, CIPIC, per Director Philippe Lawson, filed a 35-page complaint with the Office of the Privacy Commissioner against Facebook based on 22 breaches of the Canadian Personal Information Protection and Electronic Documents Act, Pipe the University of Ottawa law students Lisa Feinberg, Harley Finkelstein, and Jordan Eric Plenner, initiated the minefield of privacy invasion suit. Facebook's Chris Kelly contradicted the claims, saying that, We've reviewed the complaint and found it has serious factual errors most notably its neglect of the fact that almost all Facebook data is willingly shared by users. 68. Assistant Privacy Commissioner Elizabeth Denham released a report of her findings on July 16, 2009. 69. In it, she found that several of CIPIC's complaints were well-founded. Facebook agreed to comply with some, but not all of her recommendations. 69. The Assistant Commissioner found that Facebook did not do enough to ensure users granted meaningful consent for the disclosure of personal information to third parties and did not place adequate safeguards to prevent unauthorized access by third-party developers to personal information. 69. Data Mining Edit there have been some concerns expressed regarding the use of Facebook as a means of surveillance and data mining. Two Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, students were able to use an automated script to download the publicly posted information of over 70,000 Facebook profiles from four schools, MIT, NYU, the University of Oklahoma, and Harvard University, as part of a research project on Facebook privacy published on December 14, 2005. 70. Since then, Facebook has bolstered security protection for users, responding, 
we've built numerous defenses to combat phishing and malware, including complex automated systems that work behind the scenes to detect and flag Facebook accounts that are likely to be compromised, based on anomalous activity like lots of messages sent in a short period of time, or messages with links that are known to be bad. 71. A second clause that brought criticism from some users allowed Facebook the right to sell users' data to private companies, stating we may share your information with third parties, including responsible companies with which we have a relationship. This concern was addressed by spokesman Chris Hughes, who said, simply put, we have never provided our users' information to third-party companies, nor do we intend to. 72. Facebook eventually removed this clause from its privacy policy. 73. In the United Kingdom, the Trades Union Congress, TUC, has encouraged employers to allow their staff to access Facebook and other social networking sites from work, provided they proceed with caution. 74. In September 2007, Facebook drew criticism after it began allowing search engines to index profile pages though Facebook's privacy settings allow users to turn this off. 75. Concerns were also raised on the BBC's watchdog program in October 2007 when Facebook was shown to be an easy way in which to collect an individual's personal information in order to facilitate identity theft. 76. However, there is barely any personal information presented to non-friends. If users leave the privacy controls on their default settings, the only personal information visible to a non-friend is the user's name, gender, profile picture and networks. 77. An article in the New York Times in February 2008 pointed out that Facebook does not actually provide a mechanism for users to close their accounts, and raised the concern that private user data would remain indefinitely on Facebook's servers. 78. As of 2013, Facebook gives users the options to deactivate or delete their accounts. Deactivating an account allows it to be restored later, while deleting it will remove the account permanently, although some data submitted by that account, like posting to a group or sending someone a message, will remain. 79. Onovo and Facebook Research Edit. Main Article, Onovo. In 2013, Facebook acquired Donovo, a developer of mobile utility apps such as OnVal Protect VPN, which is used as part of an insights platform to gauge the use and market share of apps. 80. This data has since been used to influence acquisitions and other business decisions regarding Facebook products. 81-82-83. Criticism of this practice emerged in 2018 when Facebook began to advertise the Onovo Protect VPN within its main app on iOS devices in the United States. Media outlets considered the app to effectively be spyware due to its behavior, adding that the app's listings did not readily disclaim Facebook's ownership of the app and its data collection practices. 84-85, Facebook subsequently pulled the iOS version of the app citing new iOS App Store policies forbidding apps from performing analytics on the usage of other apps on a user's device. 86 87 88 Since 2016, 
Facebook has also run Project Atlas publicly known as Facebook Research A market research program inviting teenagers and young adults between the ages of 13 and 35 to have data such as their app usage, web browsing history, web search history, location history, personal messages, photos, videos, emails, and Amazon order history, analyzed by Facebook. Participants would receive up to $20 per month for participating in the program. Facebook research is administered by third-party beta testing services, including Applause, and requires users to install a Facebook root certificate on their phone. In the wake of a January 2019 report by TechCrunch on Project Atlas, which alleged that Facebook bypassed the App Store by using an Apple Enterprise program for apps used internally by a company's employees. Facebook refuted the article but later announced its discontinuation of the program on iOS. 8990 On January 30, 2019, Apple temporarily revoked Facebook's Enterprise Developer Program certificates for one day which caused all of the company's internal iOS apps to become inoperable. 91-92-93, Apple stated that Facebook has been using their membership to distribute a data-collecting app to consumers, which is a clear breach of their agreement with Apple, and that the certificates were revoked to protect our users and their data. 91, U.S. Senators Mark Warner, Richard Blumenthal and Ed Markey separately criticized Facebook research's targeting of teenagers, and promised to sponsor legislation to regulate market research programs. 94-95 Inability to voluntarily terminate accounts edit Facebook had allowed users to deactivate their accounts but not actually remove account content from its servers. A Facebook representative explained to a student from the University of British Columbia that users had to clear their own accounts by manually deleting all of the content including wall posts, friends, and groups. The New York Times noted the issue and raised a concern that emails and other private user data remain indefinitely on Facebook's servers. 78. Facebook subsequently began allowing users to permanently delete their accounts in 2010. Facebook's privacy policy now states, when you delete an account, it is permanently deleted from Facebook. 73. Memorials Edit A notable ancillary effect of social networking websites is the ability for participants to mourn publicly for a deceased individual. On Facebook, friends often leave messages of sadness, grief, or hope on the individual's page, transforming it into a public book of condolences. This particular phenomenon has been documented at a number of schools. 96-97-98, Facebook originally held a policy that profiles of people known to be deceased would be removed after 30 days due to privacy concerns. 99, due to user response, Facebook changed its policy to place deceased members' profiles in a memorialization state. 100. Facebook's privacy policy regarding memorialization says, if we are notified that a user is deceased, we may memorialize the user's account. In such cases we restrict profile access to confirmed friends and allow friends and family to write on the user's wall in remembrance. We may close an account if we receive a formal request from the user's next of kin or other proper legal request to do so. 73. Some of these memorial groups have also caused legal issues. 
Notably, on January 1, 2008, one such memorial group posted the identity of murdered Toronto teenager Stephanie Rangel, whose family had not yet given the Toronto Police Service their consent to release her name to the media, and the identities of her accused killers, in defiance of Canada's Youth Criminal Justice Act, which prohibits publishing the names of the underage accused. 101. While police and Facebook staff attempted to comply with the privacy regulations by deleting such posts, they noted difficulty in effectively policing the individual users who repeatedly republished the deleted information. 102. Customization and Security Edit 